Good morning, it is Money Talk with James Ross at 16 minutes past eight. Time for us to discuss some of the stories out there at the moment with uh, our guests. And let's say good morning uh, once again to Enzio von File, a capital preservation specialist at Financial Shield. Uh, good morning, Enzio. Good morning, James. And uh, also good morning to Carlos Casanova, uh, senior Asia economist at UBP. Uh, good morning, Carlos. Good morning. Well, it seems that uh, the minutes uh, that the uh, Fed put out after the last meeting um, showed that uh, maybe they were a little bit more divided about the need for future interest rate hikes. Uh, what pointers, Carlos, does that give us, do you think, uh, towards what we might expect in the next meeting? Well, it was always uh, assumed that they would uh, leave the door open for another rate hike in, se in September. So we had anticipated to see some divergence uh, in views uh, across FOMC committee members. Um, inflation, um, the headline number actually ticked up slightly, despite all of the sequential numbers were in line with expectations. So that is the excuse for them um, to put out uh, you know, slightly more hawkish uh, wording. I think what we will see is a lot of debate around Jackson Hole, um, and that is, of course, not going to help with visibility for the market, which is which is not good. But more likely than not, um, the Fed has uh, completed its its hiking cycle. They just want to make sure that they don't corner themselves um, in case there's a surprise on the inflation front. Enzio, is that a view that you would agree with? I th pretty much. Um, I would disagree a little bit with my friend here because I think there might still be a one quarter of a percentage point in there, but let's not get academic about this. I just think that the um, on the so high sticky rates for a while in my head, um, not going down soon, which is what the market believes. And certainly on the long bond yield, I th I'm looking at about 5% on the 10 year because I think that the um, the demand, the, the government's going to keep on issuing more and more bonds, and that's going to produce the price and thus push up the yield, where in fact the Fed itself is selling bonds. Um, so it's the, 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 the yields have to go up on, the, on both ends of the curve, the, the, the interest rates on both ends of the curve. It does seem perhaps it's a good time to uh, be looking at treasuries. I don't think so, because if because if if the prices are going to go, if my forecast is remotely correct, then if the prices are going down on the Treasury bond side, then I think one doesn't want to be risking that capital loss um, on the Treasury on the short term. Yes, we just ride the curve up. Six month money is actually giving you about four point eight six percent now, um, so that's all that's all pretty good. Where would you be putting your money, NZO, at the moment? Well. I'm not sure with you, James, not with myself. Um, I think that there are lots of um, places in Japan, Korea, Indonesia. I think those are interesting markets to go into. Um, those are really the three. Those are my favorites, perhaps even India, but certainly not the U.S. I think it's just too much of a loaded gun. Europe, I've, I've forgotten. Um, so that, those, those would be my pick, some, some big Asians out here. I mean, China's saying, uh, Carlos, that its economic recovery will be a bumpy and tortuous process, uh, but insisting that Western critics will be proven wrong. What's your outlook uh, for China? Perhaps that's not a place to be putting money at the moment, or is it? Well, we continue to see very subdued investor interest in China, despite valuations remaining um, below cyclical averages. They're very cheap uh, right now. And the reason for that is, um, first of all, that um, it looks like there are a few risks that are compounding onto growth headlines, uh, headwinds. So it might take a little bit um, more firepower to get the economy out of the current hole. Um, and we are waiting to see um, 
uh, all of those policy pledges translate into um, action. Um, so we saw that last week with the surprise um, cut to the one-year medium-term lending facility, and that usually is an indication that they will follow through with uh, similar uh, magnitude cuts to the loan prime rates the week after. So we are expecting um, a rate cut next week. Um, and that, that should be a good signal. Um, but of course, uh, with there being pol problems in transmission, it's not going to be enough to kickstart the economy. So we have to see a lot more in terms of support to the housing sector, in terms of uh, support to consumption, um, you know, that talk of helicopter money, uh, when, when is that going to happen? Um, and so investors are going to be sitting on the fence um, waiting for there to be a better entry point. And I think what could trigger that is if you do see state um, players supporting the onshore market for a considerable period of time, uh, not a month uh, or two after an announcement, but for a few months. And that coincides with um, some form of pullback in the U.S. economy. We are seeing less visibility around inflation. I, I think that um, I agree with Enzio. It's not so much whether or not they do one additional <laughs> rate hike uh, or not, but uh, rates will remain higher for longer. And um, there's been, you know, our performance in U.S. equities led by the tech sector, valuations very bubbly. Um, so even if um, U.S. equities continue to outperform, there should at least be a rotation into value plays. And that is going to mean that some people are going to um, experience losses and then will look to diversify into other markets. Um, perhaps China mm. or perhaps Japan. Um, so I think, uh, unfortunately, it's uh, going to take a little bit longer for that investor sentiment to come back. And it's um, it's a matter of a wait and see for the recovery of the Chinese economy. I think 5% um, this year is doable given the base effect. We are 5.5% um, year to date uh, on an annualized basis. Um, but the policymakers are not really focusing on that right now. Policymakers are ensuring that they are laying the foundations for growth within a reasonable range next year. Right. If they continue to experience weak growth, that uh, exacerbates all of the structural issues next year, and that's a big problem. And do, do you think that uh, you know some of those stimuli that um, uh, Carlos spoke about there are going to are going to help the Chinese economy? I, I think a little bit, but my point would be that it's a little bit like trying to get an alcoholic off the juice by giving him more vegetables to eat. In other words, there's, there's a, the, from my, in my mind, a key problem of China is really twofold. One, that the, um, that the party itself wants to contain, keep a stranglehold very much on the private sector, which accounts for 90% of employment, 80% of investment, roughly. So I think until the private sector is allowed to have a stable environment in which to operate, in other words, to invest and thus create jobs, I think any stimuli will be less effective than if they were to allow them to really just have free reign and get on with it again. The other point be, that I think is important is that Beidai Ho, which comes up that cooler beach resort meeting that they do every year, um, is that I think that the Chinese government is very much concerned, understandably, about security. So everything is under the rubric of security in China. That's according to the FT today. And that's all fine and good, but I, I do think that the economy has to be allowed to get on with it on its own um, without too much in the private sector, without too much interference from the top. 
How much do you think that uh, China's control of financial data uh, can really affect things? We've you know, heard this week that perhaps they're not going to um, release the uh, future numbers of uh, youth unemployment. Uh, you know, do, does that sort of thing make a big difference, Enzio, do you think? Yes and no. I mean, of course, it's it's we, we as Westerners don't like that. But I think the key point that I again would make is that it's much more. It's less about data releases because if the guys doing the data and then creating the policy are being told, well, you still have to have a centralized policy favoring the state-owned enterprises at the cost of the private sector enterprises, then whether you have the youth unemployment rate at twenty one point two or twenty two point four is really here nor there. Um, Carlos, turning to, to Hong Kong, Hong Kong exchanges in clearing posting its second best ever uh, first half profits. What, what do you make of that? Uh, you know, is that um, you know an indication that Hong Kong is benefiting, whatever the outcome, if you like, uh, between China and uh, the US? Um, I think that the Hong Kong economy has benefited from an increase in cross-border travel. Um, we've seen, um, you know, sustained growth and heading as we look towards the second half of the year, there's a base effect to further prop up things. Um, the other two pillars of the economies, um, that those being um, trade um, and trade related sectors and finance are still reeling. So um, I don't think that uh, Hong Kong is necessarily benefiting from the situation between the US and China. I, think I guess I was I was suggesting, you know, to, to, in terms of IPOs that pay perhaps that uh, Hong Kong and exchanging uh, in, exchanges is, is doing, you know, maybe Chinese companies not listing in the US may list here a bit more going forward, perhaps because perhaps it's a, a, a slightly easier easier or more comfortable option? In theory, yes. Um, and also remember that at the July Polybureau meeting, the Chinese authorities announced a policy to boost onshore equities in particular, or Chinese equities in general. Um, they are planning um, to make it easier for Chinese companies to IPO in Hong Kong. Um, Hong Kong exchanges, of course, are following through with uh, reforms both to the Hansing Index to increase the number of constituents, but also to some of the listing uh, requirements, making it easy for Chinese companies to list, um, cancelling that need for, um, uh, you know, the inclusion of um, of warnings. <laughs> that that was a bit uh, contentious, but uh, it does mm. make it easier to list in Hong Kong. So they are gearing up towards a potential um, state-led support uh, to the equity market, allowing more IPOs, the restructuring of, um, um, you know, uh, Alibaba with uh, different uh, subsidiaries listing in Hong Kong and, and that generating volumes. 100% it would be beneficial for Hong Kong, given financial services is one of the key pillars, but we are not seeing that yet. Mm. Um, IPO uh, volumes are still very low. Um, and of course, uh, that has got everyone worried from, you know, uh, retail investors in Hong Kong that are very exposed to equities in the in the region to, you know, PE fund managers that have no optimum exit strategy from their previously very lucrative deals in China. Um, so I think they really need to get on uh, quicker with the reforms. And I wouldn't um, necessarily be too optimistic about the Hong Kong exchanges rather right. than expected profit. No. Enzio, um, you mentioned um, Japan uh, briefly earlier on. Uh, despite um, business sentiment improving in July, at least according to the Reuters uh, Tankan survey, um, the market's down at the moment, uh, dropped uh, below 32,000 uh, mark for the first time in over a month. Uh, what, 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 are we, what are we looking at in Japan at the moment? Is that uh, a good prospect? 
I think that I think it is. I think that the fact that wages in May rose by 1.8 percent, which is the biggest gain since February of 1995. So we are dealing with Japan, which I used to cover, hmm. um, but that's the biggest gain in 28 years. I think a, 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 a chunk of that, of course, will go in, into consumption. And I think that's like two thirds of any economy, basically, of the normal economies. China's only about 30%. So um, I think China, Japan is always, even in my day in 86s and through the 90s, it takes time. It's a very patient story. But I think you will find over time inflation continuing to rise, too much money chasing too few goods, a demand side driven inflation story, uh, more government spending coming through. So I think that the, that we are, we are, off this 30-year stagnation that we've seen. Mm. Interesting stuff. Well, Enzio, thank you very much as ever for joining us uh, this morning. Enzio von Fahle is Capital Preservation Specialist at Financial Shields and alongside uh, Enzio, Carlos Casanova, uh, Senior Asia Economist at UBP. Well,